Do you sometimes or often struggle to know when to stand your ground and when to compromise or hold space for the other person's unhealthy, maybe immature or unpredictable behavior? This is a common struggle, one that can very quickly take us out of our knowing. Join me and my guest as we talk about how she is currently experiencing this and some things she can do to help her stay in her knowing. I'm Sarah Morales, the host of this podcast, and I wanted to invite you to come follow me on TikTok. Yeah, I know TikTok (laughs) might be a little silly, and I resisted it at first myself. Actually, I resisted it for a long time, but I'm putting out some fun, but also very informative content. Like I just did this great series on self-gaslighting, and I believe that it will only add to the things that we're learning together. So my handle is at Sassy Sarah Deconstructs, and I will have the link in the show notes. The word of the day today is should. According to Oxford languages, should is a word used to indicate obligation, duty, or correctness, typically when criticizing someone's actions. This is one of the biggest red flags I teach my clients to pay attention to, whether it's coming from someone else or themselves. Should is a word that shifts our perspective externally. And the truth is something we find when our perspective starts internally. Red flags are not automatic confirmation that gaslighting is happening. It's a warning to slow down and get curious so that we're not vulnerable to gaslighting. Let's see how this is playing out in my guest's life right now. My guest today is Beth. Beth is an interior designer specializing in short-term rentals and properties that have character and spatial challenges. She's an artist and a spiritual seeker who has an RV and plans to spend a year or two traveling and looking for her community in many places. She has a three-year-old schnoodle named Philomena. Did I say that right? (laughs) that goes by Phil unless she's in trouble and then she goes by Phyllis which I think is hilarious welcome to the show Beth (laughs) thank you Sarah it's so cool to be here Yay, I'm so excited. So we had quite the conversation yesterday when I was getting an idea of what you wanted to bring to the podcast and to my listeners. Would you share a little bit of background to bring my listeners up to speed? Yes. Um, I have somebody who I love and admire. She's an aunt through marriage, and she's entering a phase of her life, which is a diagnosis of She's in the early phases of dementia. Um, Last year at this time, I was getting, um, going through some of my own serious personal issues. Like my own, I needed two diagnoses last year to get healthy again. And so about this time last year, I was just beginning the healing portion of my illness. So she's, she's this, this aunt, we'll just call her Mary, Princess Mary. Um, this aunt of mine, she was a geologist and then she became a nurse when she was in her fifties. She's just a smart, incredible woman. She's my aunt through marriage. She never had children. I never had children. I'll be, I'll actually be 50, um, next week, (laughs) the day after the birthday, (laughs) right? And the, so I always felt toward her like a daughter and she, 
when I was in my 20s, she said, will you be with me when I die? And I felt this very deep, intense spiritual connection to her as a mother and a daughter through that kind of lack, right? We share Mm -hmm. a lack of daughter. So let's be a mother daughter. I hope to have those relationships with other women when I'm, I mean, you know, now can start, (laughs) but, um, I cherish her in a way that's, um, you know, important to so many of us that have people like this in our lives. And so as I was going through this horrible thing, she was entering into um, these diagnoses of her own. And I, she and I had kind of joined forces in a commitment way. I had promised her, I'd been showing up for her every single Friday, taking her to the doctor. I have a medical background. She's a nurse. We were just like teaming up on the caretaking of, of her end, which is heavy stuff, right? I was going to stay in Denver. I didn't really want to leave. Um, I, I really wanted to leave Denver for at least 10 years. So I didn't, I thought that was a, a very important thing to give her the peace of mind that I wouldn't be leaving until after she was gone. Um, we had, we were facing a surgery for her, a really big, bad surgery for her. And I wanted to make sure that she and I had our commitments and our understandings in writing. I have a business background, a business degree. I am going to put this down. My aunt is having memory issues and we we need to be able to go back to something that was an agreement that she and I had worked on so that we could stay on the same page. Well, when I wrote her this letter, it was right before the week of my other her sister coming into town, my aunt, my other aunt. And I had sent her the letter and then she started canceling on me and um having really terse conversations with me. And I, and I realized through the power of deduction, she was mad at me for um, having some corrective language around compensation Mm. and princess Mary is a cheapskate. So it needed to be discussed. And, um, but I had housed it within this love letter of I'm going to be there for you. It's going to be us against the world, your daughter. I'm your, I'm your, um, caretaker. We've got all of this, you know, our mutual goals, keeping you here, preventing memory care as long as possible. What will that look like? Let's visit places. And I got ghosted hard. I, I've, I've experienced it before, of course, but Mm. I hadn't really understood because I had just started listening to your podcast. I hadn't really understood this particular method of abuse, right? The Mm. whole ghosting. So over the that was in February when the hard ghost post letter happened. So over the next until now, right, we're in February to um, November. The only time she's responded to me after you know we've had a couple. I, I went and picked her up and took her to the her to the doctor, and I was able to kind of get her in one enclosed space and ask her about the letter. And she told me that if I wanted if I needed money, I should get a job. Uh, accused me of being hysterical because I was crying and mm. um, decided that she was going to take an Uber home, which was good for me because I was starting to understand that I couldn't, I was not starting to understand I couldn't be responsible for her anymore, but that light was soon to come after more rejection, more me re- reaching out via text. Um, but my father died two weeks ago, and three weeks ago, and this past weekend, um, I saw her at his memorial. Um, the thing I had left on the text, the last time I texted her, 
it had been a communication about her setting a rule that she wouldn't have a discussion with me unless there was a, a therapist. And I said, mm -hmm. that's a great idea. Let's have therapy together. And I worked it out with my therapist and she said, oh, that's, she's not qualified. <laughs> my, my awesome therapist and doctor of, of holistic medicine is not qualified, even though her specialization is in mental health. <laughs> she's just an incredible woman and she wasn't good enough. Apparently she needed a psychiatrist. So the rules kept changing. The new rule at the memorial service over just this brief interaction, she said, I'm sorry, I miss you. And I said, I'm, I'm sorry, I miss you too. I really need to talk about the letter and what happened. And she said that she had to have an apology from me because I had called her selfish. Hmm. So I did that. And that's where it's at now. I, I sent her a text. I apologized for calling her selfish. And I said, I was also sorry that that was what was preventing us from coming to an understanding. Um, it took her like th two days to respond. And I got an, a text from her yesterday and it said, thank you for the apology. Hopefully this will be a new beginning for us. So there you go. That's the story. So okay. I keep complying with these new rules. I feel like this thing about needing a closure on the thing about me promising her life. But I also realize there's this huge release of needing to be responsible for her. I am not her daughter. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be. I don't have to torture myself. But I want to be there and I and I want to be a grown-up about it. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't want to suffer. Yeah, that's such a hard balance, isn't it? When we want to be there for somebody, but they're kind of holding us to, you know, these kind of ways that we can show up that aren't really in alignment with the limits that we set for ourselves, aka boundaries, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a really hard balance. Were you going to say something? I oh, mean, no. that's the story. I'm just, I guess my yeah. struggle is dementia, old lady, no kids. Mm -hmm. I, she lives in Denver. I live in Denver. When I'm going to be here, I'd like to be able to be a part of her support system because that's mm -hmm. who I am. But she harms me when she, when she talks like this. And I, I mm -hmm. don't, I just want to be able to cope and not be harmed. Yeah. And I think well, so many people are now, you know, there's so much discussion now about gaslighting and what does that abuse mean and mm -hmm. recognition, right? You've, given so much information about how to recognize when it's happening. What do these experiences look and feel like? Mm -hmm. But then it's like, what do we do now when yeah. we still have to interact with these people? And and I think that the elderly side of it is kind of the worst, right? It's a, it's a spouse or a, I mean, it's, an aunt. you know, it's so hard. It's like, I, I was, I was thinking about this as I was preparing for this uh, recording. And, you know, I'm really excited to dive into this topic because it's not one that I've really covered before. Not just what do we do, but also this kind of elderly component, right? Because as I'm get getting older, I'm watching my parents' friends' health deteriorate. I can see how once we reach a certain age, right? Like you and I are, are not too many years apart. I think like three or something like that, right? These kinds of issues are very, very likely to come up, right? Um, where the rules start changing or, you know, health issues or God forbid, dementia or different things like that start setting in. It's a lot harder to just treat it the same as you would some of these other relationships where there are different dynamics happening, right? Um, 
So I'm curious if you have some specific scenarios that you want to kind of unpack with me, or is it more just the kind of the general story that you just gave me? I mean, I want to have closure. I want to, I mean, Mm -hmm. I would like to, I'm sure at some point she's not a, I don't know how accountable she is because my experience with her has been like, she is more than willing to make her sister cry Mm -hmm. a lot. So her sister and my uncle show up and help her and my aunt is crying. And then I called her out once and I said, Princess Mary, Hmm. we can all do it your way and we can all be upset because we can't be inside your brain or we can all use our own competence and get this project done to the structure of your ideas. And and if you died tomorrow... Hmm. It wouldn't matter. So why don't we all get along? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if you not, you know, because I, because she had already capitulated on on the knowledge that making Beth cry, me Beth cry, mm-hmm. is a bad thing. And she had, and then at the memorial service, my aunt or my cousin said that Princess Mary had called her to say, "Oh, Beth told me I can be really mean sometimes, mm-hmm. and I wanted to call you and apologize to you in case I had ever inadvertently been mean to you." So like, even that, like, how, how do you unpack that? Yeah. Go for it. You're the expert. <laughs> well, you so know, excited. yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's really, it, here's the thing. So I kind of am thinking, you know, sometimes I come into these really prepared and I have a deconstruction zone already set up <laughs> and a set your alarm already set up and all these kinds of things. And sometimes, you know, cause this is my podcast and I get to do what I want. <laughs> sometimes I like to <laughs> just do things a little bit differently. Right. <laughs> I mean, what you know, that, today? Let's do it this way, you know, I mean like what feels organic and what feels right in the moment. And, you know, side note, I tell people all the time, yes, recognizing gaslighting and the tactics and all of these things that I teach about is important, but the most important thing to counteract gaslighting is knowing yourself, right? The more we know and are connected to ourselves, the less likely we are to be gaslit by somebody else because somebody might say something to us and we're like, I call bullshit on that. Like, no, (laughs) right? Like, so, so me like saying, you know what, you know what I want to do right now? I don't need to follow these rules of what the podcasting gurus tell me to do. This is my podcast. I'm trying to help people. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to (laughs) do. Right. (laughs) Including swear. (laughs) So, um, you know, to that, to that note, you know, one of the things I I would love to say to you, Beth, is um, I know some of the things that we talked about yesterday is instead of like deconstructing the the gaslighting that was happening, like, let's talk about what can I do when I'm beginning to be able to realize that gaslighting is actually happening, right? So I think the first thing, and this is something I'm so passionate about and and really trying to, um, you know, in, in various venues, spread the word, so to speak, right, is really understanding what gaslighting is. Because so many people are focused on the behavior of the gaslighter that we give away so much of our power, right? So it's important to understand about gaslighting, right? If we're going to call call things by the right word is so important. If side note, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little promo for Brene Brown. <laughs> if y'all have not done her Atlas of the Heart stuff, I I encourage you to because she talks over and over again about how when we use the incorrect words we actually inform our experience 
and we start experiencing something different. So if something is happening that's not gaslighting and I'm calling it gaslighting, then am I actually informing my experience to become gaslighting? So let's talk for a second, Beth, with you here real quick about how we can know when gaslighting is happening. And the most important thing, again, if y'all have not done my free video series, go do my free video series. I unpack this so much more, but there's both a gaslighting behavior that is done, and then there is an experience part, right? So somebody can be coercive, they can be manipulative, they can do all these different things to do a gaslighting behavior. So how do I know if I'm being gaslit, if I'm experiencing that part of it, right? If I lose connection to my knowing, if I go into a conversation knowing that I feel and I think and I believe a certain way, and this person does a gaslighting behavior like manipulation, and I stay rooted and grounded like that manipulation doesn't work, like I still have the same thoughts, the same feelings, the same perspectives when I leave, I was not gaslit. They were just being an asshole. Right. In fact, I'm going to do a whole TikTok series on this very thing where it's like, is it gaslighting or are they just an asshole? Because it's true, right? Like, if I'm not taken out of my knowing, they still might be doing a gaslighting behavior, but I wasn't gaslit. That's why this distinction is so important. Right. If, however, this is the distinction, if, however, I go into that same exact scenario, the same exact gaslighting behavior, and because of that manipulation or because of that coercion, I lose connection to my knowing, what I know to be true, what I know to be my perspective, what I know to be right for me, then I was gaslit, right? Yeah, so that's, a that's really- an important distinction you've made before, and I think it's a great one to have now. If you're dealing with an elder that you know has been abusive in the past, that you can say, Beth, Princess Mary isn't herself. Yeah. I also have this other tactic. She's just crazy. Mm -hmm. I like the blue pill. She likes the red pill. (laughs) That's my other therapist. Your coach, she's my therapist. Uh um, I also like that distinction because of what you're telling me, instead of the understanding side of it, even though I've gotten so much from you through your podcast, Mm -hmm. the coaching side of it is so much more powerful because it's actively something you can do once you become aware. And that whole authenticity being your authentic self Yes, and resting. I like to say this term, resting in my power. Mm -hmm. It's nice, right? No, I know myself. And it's been if... Princess Mary doesn't want to talk about that, and I need closure on that. Well, that's my problem. Yes, right. Dealing with her and, you know, removing that part of my soul that I had given to her, that's my battle. Mm -hmm. But still having the ability to care for her as she goes through this horrible stuff as best I can, which isn't going to be very much because I can't do it. No. Other people can. Other people can. Just because I can't doesn't mean she won't get it. Exactly. That's a big deal also for me to be like, what I give her, she's, it'll be enough. It'll be enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, this is a question that helped me a lot through my journey and actually helps a lot of my clients. And I, I think, Beth, that it could really help you as you navigate this, right? Because again, our hearts don't stop caring for these people 
right? Who maybe are in dementia or have, you know, don't respect our boundaries or different things like that, right? Our hearts don't stop caring for them. However, you know, I love that. I know a lot of people have heard this. I'm sure you're, you've heard it that, you know, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me at the same time, right? Oh, that's a good one. Right. Isn't that great? And I guess maybe you hadn't heard of it, but basically the yep. concept is right. Like I, I, I don't, I, I don't. And honestly, I don't like to use the word should or shouldn't, but I shouldn't stop loving myself in order to love you. Right. If I'm being unloving towards myself in order to love you, something isn't right. And I need to go back and I need to look at where am I crossing that line into being unloving towards myself? Right. Which, like you said, her, some of her behaviors are harmful to you. So I actually, um, I can't remember if I've done this in a podcast before or not, but I use a scale with my clients all the time to help them differentiate. And I just say, it's easy peasy. Just make a scale zero to 10. Zero is uncomfortable. Five is hurt. You know, 10 is harm. And of course, it's rising up the scale differentiating, right? Like it doesn't have to go all the way to 10 to be harm. It's just, it's just a very simple tool to help you understand that there are different levels of effect on us. And, you know, the way that a behavior is going to affect me is going to be different than you, Beth, because you and I have different life experiences, right? So we don't want to turn this into self-gaslighting and say, well, this shouldn't impact me as greatly as it does. It does. It is what it is. Right. So if she has a behavior that makes you uncomfortable, eh, okay, you might be willing to deal with that behavior because it's discomfort. Right. This is where we start paying. And you can listen, <laughs> y'all can't see because we're not doing video, but she made this face, which was like brilliant. She's like, eh, I don't even know if I want to do uncomfortable. Right. And again, that's you get to decide. Right. Like, I'm so. That's a lesson. You know, it, yeah. Here, here's the thing. I'm like, try not to get on too many pedestals on this you know, episode, but, um, you know, so many of us, especially women are conditioned to believe that it has to be all the way to harm before we can say, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Like we, we feel like there, there has been this, um, equal sign between gaslighter and narcissist, because I think, you know, everybody's calling everybody a narcissist. My person's a narcissist. My person's a narcissist because they gaslight my gaslighter, narcissist, husband, whatever. It's like, they don't have to be a narcissist in order for you to be able to leave them. But I feel like we, we only allow ourselves to put up boundaries or to leave a relationship or these kinds of things if somebody's actually harming us instead of saying, they are keeping me from being my highest self who's living in a place of peace. Isn't that the bar that we should be setting for ourselves instead of like, they are harming me. So I guess now I can finally be done. It's like, no, if I'm in a relationship with somebody who is dragging me down, even if it's not quote unquote harmful, I get to have boundaries, right? So this leads me all, all the way back to the question is I love the feeling of peace, and I've talked about it before in, in episodes before in different ways, but that is a question that I often use, you know, to help me differentiate which, where I need boundaries, which choice I want to make is what is going to bring me the most peace here, right? So the thing that's important to understand about peace is peace doesn't mean we don't have any discomfort. We might have some discomfort. But with that discomfort, we're going to have peace, that it's the right thing. Um, we might have peace and feel afraid. We might have peace and feel sad, 
right? They're not mutually exclusive. However, there's a difference. To me, I think it's almost impossible to do something that's hard or scary or sad if we also don't have peace. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense because it's almost like, right, my new boundaries with Princess Mary are, Mm -hmm. what are the things I can do that don't harm me in this relationship? What can I do? Mm-hmm. What is what, you know, with that rule, new my mm-hmm. new rule, what mm-hmm. I give is enough. Yeah. You know, I said my dad died. And of course, mm-hmm. I had to look up mutuality because I, my father was incredibly accountable as a person in relationship, even though he was a reactive, irritable person. I did not experience this kind of gaslighting abuse as a child. Right. My parents had their own issues, but it wasn't that kind of issue. Mm-hmm. And they showed up. And they continued to show up for each other. But I just remember, this is what I said. I said that, I mean, I didn't give your name, but Mm -hmm. that's what happens when you look at mutuality online. We get to see your definition. And that's what I used. I I think I said, each person is as important in the relationship. And the relationship is as important as each person. It's like this trilogy. And my, my example was in your moment of need and that mutuality shifts from moment to moment but mm-hmm. if your person is going into mental decline and it's getting worse for you finding that place of peace backing into it yeah. and saying okay these are my boundaries if it goes over this point then it's time to step away reevaluate mm-hmm. but it just seems to me like keeping the peace and not engaging when calling people out when they're elderly like that is not a behavior that I think I tried it before and now I know. Doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So my, say, she's, she's old and crazy and, and I've hit my limit and I will gracefully step away. Yeah. So one of the things I would love to give to both you and my listeners as kind of the set your alarm aspect of this is um, something that I would put into what I call my conversation generator, right? So you know, tap into your playwright, right? And script out as best you can. Now I know things are changing, right? The more she probably goes further into dementia, the things might change, but you can probably guess up kind of somewhat how the conversation would go, right? For those whose people aren't changing as much, you can guess, right? Like you've done the conversation enough times, you know, I'm going to say this, they're likely going to say this and that, right? And that's when we want to be careful about getting sucked into the things, those hooks, right? Or people will say, don't take the bait, right? Like people that are really good at gaslighting, whether they intend to be or not, they're really good at throwing out that bait that's just so delicious to us, right? Like we just want to jump on that bait so hard, right? So we have to How not- you? Yeah, right. And yeah. listen, what's important um, is understanding there are valid reasons why we take the bait, right? And these are some of the traps that I teach about in my course, but you know, it's normal, natural human to want to be seen for who we are, right? So if somebody says, how could you? We want to say, but you're not seeing me, right? If you would see me, you would know that that's not what I'm doing. This is right. And so then we try to explain to them, but then they can come back with an even uh, another gaslighting phrase or the same one or, 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 right? So a new rule. Do, 
a new rule, right? They're going to shapeshift. They're going to, you know, present a different way. They're going to step into a different role, like all of these different things, right? So yes, we want to learn those things, but more importantly is knowing our truth and knowing when something is not being productive and or harmful. And that's when we choose to opt out, right? So what what I brought up the playwright thing about is it's so much more helpful um, and easier to stand in our knowing and to exit the conversations with peace if we've already kind of played it out in our head, right? So I would say this, she would say this, then I would say this, then she would say this, and then normally it would keep on going that way for an hour or whatever. But I, I do a three strikes, you're out kind of rule, right? So, so after the second time we end the conversation, we give them two chances to respond in a way that shows they're in active listening or trying to show up with mutuality or whatever it is. And at the third time, you know, we come up with some sort of statement to say, you know what? Um, and then there's any kind of number of ways depending on the type of interaction it is, right? So everything from if you're with somebody who is not just, you know, slightly gaslighting, but intensely gaslighting, and, and there might be some physical, you know, altercation or something like that, I usually tell my clients to say something like, you know what, I need to go to the bathroom, <laughs> right? You know, and it's hard because people will be like, well, what if I don't have to go to the bathroom? Okay, I'm not, you didn't say I have to urinate, <laughs> Right. You said, I need to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, take 10, (laughs) take 10 deep breaths because you needed a break from the conversation. And the way to do that was by going to the bathroom. If there's no other way to do it, do that. Or you could say something like, you know what? This is one of my favorite ones is, you know what? I need to think about what you just said. Right. Because that one more than anything else makes the gaslighter, especially if they're high on the narcissist side of things, feel like they've won. Listen, it doesn't matter if they feel like they've won. What matters is you staying in your knowing. Right. So you're not like giving them a win. You're winning because you're staying in your knowing by saying, you know what, I'm going to have to think about what you just said. End of conversation. Right. So think of statements that will help you end the conversation so that you secure going all the way back to what is gaslighting, what isn't gaslighting, you secure yourself staying in your knowing because that's where we have the power. We don't have the power to convince the other person, to get them to see us, to get them to change their minds. We don't have power there. What we have power over is whether or not we stay in our knowing. What about this tactic? Yeah, tell me. Asking questions, clarifying, open-ended. So I, uh, I have a medical background doing mm-hmm. like open and op- uh, open-ended questions when you're doing inspections on, um, just so that you can, you know, test the testers, so to speak. So, sure, sure. Um, so I learned how to just try to make no assumptions because mm-hmm. you're trying to test their knowledge and make sure that they're they would pass inspection, right? Sure. So this open-ended questioning is like, oh, I don't understand what it is you said, or could you clarify Mm -hmm. that? Mm -hmm. Or just keeping somebody at arm's length in the, in the discussion while also keeping your own reaction at arm's length Mm -hmm. and having them restate something that came across to me as a way, as something that wasn't very helpful Mm -hmm. or other, um, but I'm not that good at it yet. And I, and I don't have, <laughs> so that's what I'm asking. Yeah. So there are different strategies depending on kind of where your gaslighter is at and how they are behaving. And again, where they are in that like kind of narcissistic scale. 
right? Because we're all on the scale somewhere. Again, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Mine comes out when I'm driving. I'm the best driver. Everybody else is the asshole driver that's cutting me off, right? So <laughs> slightly narcissistic driver, um, right? So I joke about that, but for real, right? So some people are very high on it. And then some people actually have the personality disorder, although it's far more rare than people like to think, right? So all that being said, um, like kind of, t- unfortunately, some of this, in fact, a lot of it comes with testing, trial and error. Right. So, um, that, that is a great technique early on, right. Um, to kind of put it out there and say, what will happen if I ask open-ended questions, right? Are they just going to still be argumentative? Are they going to step into like the lawyer role where it becomes about a debate about who has the best evidence? Like what happens when, right. If that opens up dialogue, great. If all it does is give them a place to like get you out of your knowing, then it's not safe, right? That's the, that's the bar. How can I converse with this person and stay in my knowing? That is something that we must fight for to stay in our knowing. Not must, we get to and must, right? Um, another thing to do, another tactic, Beth, is to say, I hear you saying this, right? Like putting it back on them. Like, this is what I think I hear you saying. Like, I think I hear you saying that I'm an insensitive bitch. Is that what I just heard you say? <laughs> right? Like, and then they might say, yeah, that's exactly what I, th- what I said. Or no, that's not what I said. Okay. Well, could you say it again? Because that's what I thought I heard you say. Right. And then hear what they say. Right. And paying attention. And one of the things, again, that I do, especially if you're with somebody who, where there's chronic gaslighting it really wreaks havoc with our memory. So I encourage people to write down the conversations as soon as possible. I've even had clients on the down low record conversations, right? So that they could, you know, later when the person's saying, I never said that, they can be like, no, it's exactly what you said. <laughs> right? Like, I know it's what you said, right? So um, that's just some some different strategies, right? But again, the most important things are staying connected to our knowing, Right. And paying attention to that line of when do I start to cross out of it or start to like doubt it? Like, I don't like, I almost want to say, I don't care what's happening. Find a way to end the conversation. If you are finding yourself starting to doubt yourself or question yourself, time out, give yourself a time out. Like, nope, I need to stay, I need to stay connected to myself. Right. And that doesn't mean we don't ever change our minds. Right. Again, in order for something to be gaslighting, there has to be a gaslighting behavior. Right. So if you're having a conversation with somebody and they're not going into gaslighting behaviors and you change your mind, you weren't gaslit. You were just presented new information and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Now I have more knowing. Now my knowing can actually adapt and evolve because we're meant to evolve. We're meant to become higher versions of ourselves. And we do that by learning, not by being gaslit, <laughs> right? So uh, that's a key distinction I want to say, because we're not trying to use- I love that. I mean, we it's are so here important. to learn. I mean, not to be gaslit. Yeah. Gaslit and kinders are yeah. learning. I mean, yeah, getting out of this and seeing it and being empowered and miraculous. Yeah. I did not know that yeah. gaslitting messes with your memory. It does. Horrifying to think. Yeah. 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 There's, I mean, (laughs) 
<laughs> there's a lot. And that's, again, that's why I'm so passionate about this topic. And, um, you know, I, again, I, not to toot my own horn, but, um, yeah, I've had so many people say they, they can't, they can't believe how much information I give away for free in my free video series. And that's part of what I go through. Um, in one of my videos is the effects of gaslighting. Right. And I think I go through like 10 of them or something like that. And it's important to understand so that we can recognize them so that we can slow down and say, hey, wait a second. Wait a second. Let me reconnect to myself. I tell people all the time and when I'm when I'm coaching them, I went through a whole season for probably two years where my a statement I probably said during the day more than anything else was let me check in with myself because I had lost my connection to myself and I had to reconnect to myself. So what am I going to have for breakfast? Well, let me check in with myself. Not what should I have for breakfast, but what does my body actually, what is my body actually telling me I need for breakfast? Let me check in with myself, right? Like everything from that to when I started dating again and started being sexual again, I was like, do I want to have sex right now? Let me check in with myself. Everything, the whole, any, any and everything you can think of I was like, let me check in with myself. I was determined to regrow my connection to my knowing. In fact, deeper than I had ever had it before. And that was one of the most prolific ways that I did that, right? So again, when you're, when you're dealing with your aunt, right? Like, let me check in with myself. Do I need to end this conversation? Let me check in with myself. Do I need to put a heart, uh, uh, you know, a more firm boundary here? Let me check in with myself. Is this harming me or is this just uncomfortable? Let me check in with myself. Oh, it's just uncomfortable. Am I okay with being uncomfortable? Let me check in with myself, <laughs> right? Like, like we, ah, like I want us so badly to stop looking to other people for this information of whether or not something is okay, or we should be doing it, or we should be want, like, let us check in with ourselves. So I, this whole thing about being an empath and feeling other people's yeah. feelings and needing other people to feel okay so that I can feel okay. And that healthy yeah. helperton, which we've accused our mother of being all this time, and you know our our wonderful dad being on the kind of narcissistic side of the coin, or you know all mm -hmm. these things. Um, that's really helpful because good getting past the need of other people to feel okay, even if and especially when it's not you, right? Knowing that this yeah. other person, th this is not my feeling. This is, I'm feeling the way they yep. feel because they're yes. freaking, this is, you know, you can tell from 8,000 miles away, Yes, um, but yes. to not be responsible for a, another person, stop looking for other people yes. being, having your own health. Yeah. It's great growth. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like to, again, um, it's, it's hard and it's scary because we could quote unquote be wrong. Um, but again, this is where I'll bring up my genes analogy, right? Like we get to learn. We don't have to, we weren't taught to do this. So of course we're going to make mistakes as we're trying to figure out, well, what's my feeling and what, what, which of these things that I'm actually feeling right now belong to somebody else, right? That I'm just feeling. And, and I'm, I haven't really drawn that boundary between where I end and they begin, right? So I'm going to test this out just like I try on pants, right? And the first pair of pants that I try on might be too, too tight in the ass, right? So I got to go try on another, <laughs> I got to go try on another pair until it fits just right. And we know it, 
because there's my friend Annie and I talked about this in an earlier episode, that combination of peace plus joy is a great way to decipher what is home. What is home for me? Peace and joy, right? I feel free. I feel liberated when I feel this way, even if it's sad, right? Like we feel free because it's only our feeling that we're feeling, not somebody else's, right? As far as ownership is is concerned. Well, um, we have kind of gone all over the place <laughs> as we've been talking about this. But, you know, I think we've really talked about a lot of things that I think um, are going to resonate with a lot of people and um, feel really good. Do you have any kind of big takeaways or and or um, anything that you would like to share with my listeners before we kind of wrap up for today? You know, what I found helpful And I've also learned it can be a super dangerous thing to do. So the whole thing about validation, right? You have your Mm -hmm. own self-knowing. You do still need external validation. Uh, You're not going to get it from these people. You have to be very careful about who you talk to about the person. Because they're either going to be your ally or the other person's flying monkey. I just learned that term, right? Because Mm -hmm. they have this other person has their own idea of how things are going, right? The red pill. So... You have to find other people that take the blue pill or at least can see this person for being, you know, the term that was given to me was difficult. And I thought, oh, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm not the only one experiencing this. And then Mm -hmm. I was able to have an interaction and share with that awesome person. And it made me feel like Mm -hmm. I I wasn't crazy. It's okay to say, you know, it's okay for me to feel like this. And um, but really that whole thing about you say, saying regrowing my connection to my knowing gives mm-hmm. me faith in myself that this is going to get better. I mean, I know I'm a lot healthier now since I've had my diagnoses of ADHD and getting the little bit of estrogen I needed. You know, those are big deals. Mm-hmm. That is that is a mm-hmm. whole lot of health to be on this side of. And I want to thank you specifically because this mm-hmm. whole conversation has given me a lot of improved perspective and Yay. it's ongoing and I love that. and reconnecting mm-hmm. with people that you're obligated toward whether it's family or because you decided that that's your surrogate mom even if she's gonna be you know whatever it's all good it's all yeah. good because yeah. i get to choose my path you absolutely do and we get to listen life allows for course corrections it's one of my favorite mantras say it again life allows for course corrections right? There's very few, very few decisions that we can't course correct from. Very few. So we do the best we can. Thank you, Maya Angelou. Until we know better, then when we know better, we do better, right? And then sometimes that means a course correction. Sometimes it doesn't. But life allows for it. Yep. So um, Beth, I have really enjoyed my conversation with you today. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Thank you, Sarah, for putting it out there. I have another aunt. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I know. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back for sure. For sure. Um, as I wrap up today, I wanted to speak to you, my listeners. Um, I wanted to invite you to be a guest on my podcast. I, if you'd like to share your story, get my brain on what you've experienced and have me help you to be able to more clearly understand what has been happening in your relationship, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and get on my calendar. Um, I've got lots of availability. So please go to sarahmoralescoaching.com slash contract, not contract, contact, 
or use the link in the show notes that I will put in there. And then thank you, my dear listener, for listening to today's episode. If you found it helpful and want to help me get it in the hands of more people who could benefit from it, please leave a review and subscribe. It really helps it get out there for people and visibility. Additionally, if you can think of one person in specific who could benefit, please share it with them. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's awakening all that you already are. Take it away, Wendy. We got stars in our eyes like diamonds. We got heart in the fuel to light it. Yeah, we burn it up. We got all the magic shout out if you have it. Yeah, we go with the flow like a riptide. Take a walk if you're not on my side. Yeah, we're dangerous. You're not gonna throw. me